Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Just a note on content. This episode contains discussions of depression and suicide. Do what you need to take care of yourself. In the 80s, tens of thousands of queer people died from AIDS. Daryl Allen, the subject of this podcast, he was one of them, but he was only one. It's taken me years Hundreds of hours to rediscover his work. But what about the others? Can you imagine how many queer artists, how many queer stories are buried out there in bundles of letters and boxes of scripts, tucked neatly away, or worse, destroyed, after HIV took yet another life? It's staggering to think about just how many Daryls there are out there. This sometimes makes me question, what is it that makes some of these people's stories live on in history? Or for artists like Daryl, what makes an artist known? Before we get back to Daryl's story, first, I want to talk about another artist, another playwright like Daryl, and stick with me for a minute because I promise it's related. William Inge was an American playwright whose big hits happened in the 1940s, 50s. William Inge. He had four major plays on Broadway. 
He had Picnic. Which won a Pulitzer. He had Dark at the Top of the Stairs. Which was nominated for five Tony Awards. He had Bus Stop. Which was adapted into a film starring Marilyn Monroe. And Come Back, Little Sheba. Which won an Oscar for its film adaptation. So his success hit really, really fast. Unlike Daryl Allen, William Inge is a playwright who found fame through his art during his lifetime. But Daryl and Inge did have something in common. They were both born and raised in the same place. He was a playwright that was born in Independence, Kansas. That's Sarah Owen. And I'm the library director and archivist at Independence Community College. And back in 2019, when I visited Independence, Kansas, to meet Daryl's surviving family members, Sarah let me spend an entire day at the college in the William Inge Archive. My job here is to run the library and archive the William Inge Collection. And whether or not you or I know much about a famous playwright from the 1950s, everyone in Independence knows about Inge. One of his good friends that spurred him on to write was Tennessee Williams. And William Inge definitely did a a really dark side, but his dark side, people could relate to that. That's Todd, who you might remember we met at the local bar on our first night in town. And his friend Kim. She tells us about how Independence celebrates Inge every year. So the Inge Festival is to celebrate the playwrights so that they don't ever feel alone. The William Inge Festival takes place every year in Independence, celebrating playwrights from within the community and from across the country. And Inge's childhood home still stands in downtown Independence. So William Inge's home is a a lovely Victorian-style home, two floors. That's Ian a playwright from New Jersey who was staying in the Inge house when we visited Kansas. Hopefully getting inspiration from all the old William Inge stuff that is upstairs and trying not to think about ghosts. So William Inge has a legacy here in Independence. To be completely honest, I didn't know anything about William Inge before I came here. I'd never heard of him before, but once I was here, it was easy to learn about his life. I visited his childhood home, I saw his old movie posters, I sat in archival collections of his work, letters and scripts and photos all organized and categorized, pristine and easy to access. William Inge's legacy is tangible. It permeates the town. It feels real. But William Inge isn't the playwright I came here to learn about. I came to Kansas on a quest to learn about Daryl Allen. On a quest to make Daryl's legacy feel real. But when I set out to find Daryl's childhood home, I failed. Confession, I think the building isn't there anymore. That's my producer, Matt, who came to Kansas with me. He was recording when we went searching for Daryl's childhood home. Wow. Okay, let's go back. William Inge has an entire town dedicated to preserving his legacy. He has staff that keep his old home clean and warm and invite aspiring young playwrights to stay there and write. And Daryl? Well, Daryl's got me and Matt. But he wrote plays too. Good plays. Plays about war and trauma in Vietnam, about bisexuality and queerness in the era of gay liberation. Plays that deserve to be known. So fuck it. If playwrights can come and stay in Inge's house, if they can draw such inspiration by staying in an artist's childhood home, 
then I'm not gonna leave Kansas until I find Daryl's childhood home. I'm gonna make this real, goddammit. This is Resurrection, a podcast that tells the stories of ordinary queer people who are lost to HIV. We thought we would find Daryl's childhood home in Cherryvale. We thought we had the address. We were wrong. But Daryl's nieces, Ellen and Dorothy, the two sisters, the grandmothers, who did their best to love their Uncle Daryl, they gave us a lead. Cindy will help you there. Cindy, another one of Daryl's nieces. I'm Cindy Lopez, and I grew up as Cindy Allen, and I'm the daughter of Daryl's brother, Richard Allen. And Cindy's eager to help us out. Daryl was special to her. Daryl was always my favorite uncle. Cindy's in her 60s. She's extremely sociable. Her hair is dyed light purple, lilac. She's a bit rebellious. I mean, she must be to get in the car with Matt and me. Two strangers. Two extremely intimidating strangers. Okay, and right now we're in the car, uh, driving out of Independence, and we are headed where? To, we're going to go north of Dennis, Kansas, and try to find um, my grandparents' house. And as it turns out, we're not the first people to head out and try and find the Allen family farm. Ellen and Dorothy had tried themselves. We tried to look for it, and we didn't find find it. Can't remember. And Cindy says that her mom has driven out to where the farm used to be, looking for it, too. But mom said there's no house there. I think I would, if the trees are the same, I think I would still recognize the area, but I could be wrong. As far as we know, no one in the Allen family has seen the farm in decades. Remember, Daryl's mom, B, left the farm and got her trailer in Cherryvale back in the 80s. So it's been years. But apparently, if anyone can find the farm, it's Cindy. I have a good sense of direction and I can find my way around pretty. Once I've been there one time, I, I, I will remember it. Cindy and I have never met before, but despite this, she agrees to head out on a road trip with us to try to find the farm. I pull up outside her house in Independence with Matt in the back seat, and she jaunts over, hops in the passenger seat, and starts telling us about the farm, chatting with us like we're old friends. Welcome to Kansas. I have just wonderful memories of going there when we were when we'd be out of school in the in the summer. We'd take turns going and staying with Grandma and Grandpa a week at a time and my my grandma B Daryl's mom she was so good at making you feel like you were the most important child in her life she was just she was an amazing woman how, like how did she do that what was it that made um, you feel that way because i i was there just myself one on one with her and she she was the best listener she treated children as if their thoughts and ideas were important, you know. Cindy strikes me as one of those people who never lost the child inside of her. You know how life kind of beats that out of us, makes us grow up? I feel like Cindy's resisted that. And Daryl was always my favorite uncle. And back then, when we'd have our Sunday dinners, there was the kids' table and there was the adults' table. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we were done eating... Daryl would come in wherever all the kids were hanging out, and he'd make up games for us. He made up. Cindy has this ability to make you feel at ease when you're with her. 
Her energy honestly reminds me a bit of the descriptions I've heard of someone else, of Daryl. He had the most infectious laugh I had ever known. He, it was just this big, like, belly laugh, I mean, you know, from his whole body. It would be super loud. In fact, one time when we were at Grandma's house in Cherryville, when Daryl came back to visit, he, uh, I had a baby, my oldest, and she was only like three months old, and he laughed so loud, and it was in that little trailer that she started crying because it scared her. It was so abrupt, you know? <laughs> and then he felt really bad, and I said, oh, no, that's okay, you know? But he was just one of those people I could talk to forever. I came to Kansas looking for something tangible, something to make Daryl feel real, something to reach out and touch. I thought the farm was the answer, but maybe the farm isn't necessary. And another fun memory I have of his is I love, love to dance. And we had one of the reunions we had, we had music or something, and and Daryl and his companion were both there. I can't remember what his, what the guy's name was, but... Was it his, his companion? Uh-huh. Jonathan? Jonathan. That Jonathan didn't like to dance, and so I told Daryl, I said, I'll dance with you, so we got out there and danced a lot, and he was just, he was just one of those people you love to be around. He, I loved talking to him and, and everything that, that he did, you know. Maybe Daryl doesn't get a fancy library collection or a big festival, but maybe his archive was here the whole time, sitting across from me at a dining room table or next to me in the passenger seat. The stories. Dad created this Allen Recreation Area, and we had horseback riding, swimming, and fishing. And as Cindy talks, I drive, further and further away from independence, away from Cherryvale, away from, well, civilization, really. Yeah, we're now driving down a little, what I would describe as a little country road, Mm -hmm. past a couple of farms, lots of fields around us. Lots of cows. And on this drive, I try my best to ask hard-hitting questions. What are these little, like, pools of water called? Is there, like... Creeks. Creeks? Creeks, right. Yep. Uh, It depends, you know, and there were creeks... What was childhood like out here for Daryl? Did he spend time playing in the fields like Cindy did years later? Did he ever dip his toe into one of the creeks? Did he sit under a tree reading? Did he read plays by William Inge, the local hero? William Inge was born in 1913. He was 26 years older than Daryl. When Daryl was a teenager, Inge was at the height of his fame. Was Inge an inspiration to Daryl, one of the reasons Daryl wrote plays? As I drive with Daryl's niece along country roads, with endless skies stretching above us and endless fields drenched in golden light stretching out beside us, our conversation turns to those topics that often come easy when we're confronted with the vastness of it all. I don't know. I don't know all the details, and I don't know if that's because people didn't tell. I had heard he had cancer, but I didn't know what kind of cancer or anything. So... Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'll just tell you what I, as much as I know of the situation, because I've sort of gained my information on the other side of it from yeah. his friends right, at the time. Right. Uh, but my understanding is that he did have cancer as a result of, um, of AIDS. I thought, I figured that's probably what it was. Yeah. So what we're going to do, when this curves, the very first road, you go straight north on this very first road here. The worry I'd had in discussing the more private parts of Daryl's life 
dissipates more and more the longer I'm in Kansas. I worried about revealing parts of him that would change how his family viewed him. But they already knew. We are now driving down a gravel road. Uh, right now, pretty much all we can see on either side of the car are uh, fields. Yep. So. We've been driving for about an hour, and it feels a bit like we've gone back in time. Partly because of the dirt road and the stillness and the gold dust of the long Kansas sunbeams. And partly because it looks like there's a horse-drawn carriage coming down the road towards us. No, wait. There is actually a horse-drawn carriage coming down the road towards us. Maybe we have gone back in time. Is that a horse? Oh, you know, we have the Mennonites or the Amish that live around here. That's what's coming towards us. It's a horse and buggy. And it's around here that Cindy thinks the Allen family farm used to be. I'm thinking it'll be, it might, it should be the next intersection. But I can't help feeling like Cindy has already shown me the farm, in a sense. She rebuilt it through her stories. This is where I'm thinking it is. But if it is, there should be a drive from this direction, and there'll be a drive from the other direction. But there is no drive from the other direction. Grandma had, like, a great big weeping willow tree in the yard. But there is no weeping willow tree in the yard. I'm just looking to see if this might be it. The farm Cindy can picture in her head. It isn't here. But then a lot can change in 30 years. A place might look different than what you picture in your head. This is it. This is it. This is it, because I remember those bushes. See, why couldn't my mother find this house? But that's about where Grandma's house sat, but there was a great big huge barn off of it. And that's what I don't see is the big barn. The barn is gone. So is the willow tree and the second driveway. And to be fair, so is every Allen from Daryl's generation. But the house is still here. It's a big family home, two stories, a brick chimney. But beyond the house, my attention is immediately captured by what surrounds it. Endless fields, infinite sky, a dirt road snaking away towards the horizon. Just so much space. As I'm wrapped up, looking at the house and the fields, Matt spots someone. Do you, do you think this woman walking the cat is the owner of, the far- of this house? A woman walking a cat. I think they're the men. No, wait. Oh, it's a dog. dog. That's that's entirely my fault. And while Matt usually has to give me a pep talk and hype me up when we have to go talk to strangers, neither of us banked on our secret social weapon, Cindy. Yeah, we'll ask her if if she lives here or wherever. Yeah. And before I've even brought the car to a stop, Cindy is out the door. Hey, I have a question. Cindy bounds away with a jaunt reminiscent of childhood, and after a minute, she's back, and she is already overflowing with stories. Grandma had these snowball bushes that were all along this end here, and she had a huge weeping willow tree right there, and she had a, a collie. I don't know, remember what the collie's name was, but that dog was the coolest dog. <laughs> yeah. And she's convinced the current owner of the house to take us inside to look around. Yeah. Okay, we're yes! here. We I'm going to take some pictures too because I want them. <laughs> we have found the house. So we're going to go inside. We're going to talk to this lovely woman who uh, apparently owns the house now and has some pictures. But we're going to turn the recorder off for a couple minutes until we ask her. We're going to take a little break here, but stick around because right after this, we're heading inside Daryl's childhood home. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, Dane here. Thanks for listening. This podcast is fully independent. We aren't connected to a network or a distributor. It's just me and my friend-turned-producer, Matthew. It's taken us a lot of time to tell this story, partially because we needed the time to tell it the right way, but partially because we have limited resources, and we've had to squeeze in our podcast work around our jobs that actually pay us. And I have student loans, guys. I gotta pay off my student loans. We'd like to tell more stories like this one in the future. So, if you like this podcast and you'd like to hear more, consider becoming a supporter on Patreon. You can get tons of perks, like extended interviews and Q&As. You can find our Patreon by going to patreon.com slash resurrectionpodcast. That's one S double R. If you prefer to make a one-time donation, the link is also down there in the show notes. Thanks so much for supporting Independent Art. Let's get back to the action. So we're going to go inside. We're going to talk to this lovely woman who uh, apparently owns the house now and has some pictures. But we're going to turn the recorder off for a couple minutes until we ask her if she's down. With Cindy at the helm, we head into Daryl's childhood home, the Allen family farm. I'm standing in Daryl's living room. Let me say that again. I am standing in Daryl Allen's childhood living room. How the hell did I end up here? When we turn the mic back on and ask our new friend to introduce herself. Uh, my name is Tina Schill. We've had the house since uh, 42 years ago. So. Okay, and you bought it from the Allens? No, uh, they had sold it to the Kepharts. Okay. And what's yeah. it what's it like living in this area? I, so we're from Canada, actually. We're, oh, really? Yeah, we're, it's our first time in Kansas. So uh, can you just tell me a little bit about what it's like living, living around here? Uh, well, I wouldn't live anywhere but in the country. But, yeah, it's quiet and peaceful and mm-hmm. most of the neighbors are pretty good people so okay yeah great and look before i said that maybe the stories were enough maybe we didn't need the farm but being here standing inside daryl's childhood home it adds a new dimension all at once i can start to imagine the people from cindy's stories and from daryl's letters i can see them come to life it's like we did step back in time when we passed that horse and buggy on the road i picture a sunday in december Did you guys do any Christmases here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, we did. It was like yeah. everybody came. Yeah, whoever. Yeah, whoever came. Grandma B made the 
best cinnamon rolls. And the other thing that I thought felt like was him. I can imagine B, Daryl's mom, loving and kind, the matriarch, listener-in-chief, standing in the kitchen, making her famous cinnamon rolls, listening intently to one of Cindy's tales from school. I can picture Daryl's brothers, stoic, cold, few words between them, traipsing in through the back door, hungry after a day's work in the fields. Necessary even at Christmas. I can see Daryl's sister, Lillian, in the living room, filling out Christmas cards, always one to stay in touch. And I picture Daryl, a younger Daryl, in his 20s, gallivanting down the staircase into the living room. Maybe he was just working on a script, and he's got a sparkle in his eye. He's ready to teach his nieces and nephews a new game. Standing in Daryl's childhood home, suddenly his legacy doesn't feel so abstract anymore. It feels real. Tina pulls out an envelope with some old photos she was given by a previous owner of the house. Thank you. And this is... It's got the names so, of the family on oh, the back of there. Right? Could we open it up? That. Is that sure. okay? Sure, yeah. Uh-huh. Great. That'd be cool. Oh, it does. Look. Ron Wilkerson. Is he related? No, he's no, not related he's not. to me at all, but I know him because he was a science teacher when I worked at Parsons Middle School. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. Ron brought it to you? Uh-huh. And, the, and see, I don't know any of those names. That was before Grandma and Grandpa lived here, I guess. That's wild. Yeah, he brought that. We look at the photo from Ron Wilkerson. It's black and white, likely from the early 1900s. But it's taken right in front of the same house. Real old-fashioned looking. Two women in long dresses, a young girl, and a boy with a sullen expression on his face. Sitting, posed, atop a horse, with an equally sullen expression on her face. All their names are scrawled across the back of the photo, right down to the horse. Doll. Great name for a horse. I'm struck by the generations that have lived here. The house was originally built in 1860. A hundred years ago, the Wilkerson's lived in this house. Then came Daryl's family, the Allens. Then another family who sold the house to Tina and her family who are living here today. And it took all this effort just to tell the story of one man from one of those families. But now that we've brought two of the families face to face with each other, we decide to let Tina continue her peaceful country life. Thinking of the families, the generations who lived in this house, I can't help but think of another group of people anchored to this area, rural Kansas, but separated by time, different generations. Queer people. Daryl, of course, but also Todd, the man we'd met at the bar in the last episode, a generation younger than Daryl, And, well, William Inge. Yeah, that's right. Inge was gay, although never openly gay. He was in the closet his entire life. William Inge was one generation older than Daryl. I wonder what acceptance and what hardship these men felt, what changed from generation to generation, and what stayed the same. I think about the darkness inside me, and I wonder what the darkness felt like for them. Let's go back to Todd for a moment. You might remember in the last episode, we were amped up after meeting Todd and a group of queers at a local bar. Uh, We had a wonderful man from another table uh, come over named Todd, who seems like he's one of the resident gays of Independence. Todd agreed to let us interview him. Okay, Uh, my name's Todd Young. I live here in Independence, Kansas. Uh, 55-year-old gay male. With Todd, it's easy enough to find out what the darkness feels like. 
I remember I sometimes you forget you're gay and you just think you're human and then someone will remind you. Um, we were in the grocery store and um, I heard the guys there saying, see, there there he is. He's one of them right there. Just like a man and wife. They're living together. The guys at the grocery store were talking about Todd and his partner. And I heard that and I was just like, just, just act like it's normal. Todd doesn't give up easy, though. And he kept talking to those guys anytime he saw them around town. By the end of the year on Father's Day, they were all giving me cards and stuff. It just, they don't, you don't know what you don't know. They had never known gay people. Of course, it doesn't concern you until your kids become gay. Todd moved to Cherryvale in the 90s. He's lived in this area during the past three decades as the world has become more and more accepting of queer people. And I'm willing to bet that he's played a big part in affecting that change in this area. If you can set a good example, you'll have more allies all the time. So what about the generation before Todd? Daryl's generation. Well, we know that Daryl had his own struggles. He wrestled with his own darkness. Daryl's play about the Vietnam War, Mustang Zero One, made that clear enough. If you remember in the opening episode, I shared an excerpt from a monologue from the play. One of the two men who fall in love talking to the other. I know you're afraid. I am too. Way down deep. But I'm more afraid of not discovering who I really am. But Daryl, it seems, pushed through his darkness. He learned to live with it. He had no choice. And his family was all around him, including Cindy, who was a child back then. I think I assumed that it would have been such a challenge to have been... To have been... Like, different? To have been... To have that alternate lifestyle and that day and age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because nobody... Yeah. But it does... Like, I think I wrote off a lot of the positive elements of, mm-hmm. of being in this area. If, if Daryl were here talking to you, he'd tell you the same thing. He just had a joy for life. He did. I mean, and he had such a magnetic personality, and I don't know if all people that ever met him were like that, but whether he was my uncle or not, I would have liked him because he was just, you know how when you meet some people and you just feel drawn to them? That's the kind of person he was. And what about the generation before Daryl? William Inge. Well, William Inge is the one who made it. His plays were on Broadway. Famous actors starred in his movies. He won award after award after award. And then on June 10th, 1973, William Inge went out to his garage in Los Angeles. He got in his car turned on the engine, and he let the darkness take him. William Inge killed himself. I started this episode by asking why it is that certain artists are known, why certain artists become famous. But fame isn't the same thing as happiness. We can look back at generations of queer people, at the Todds and the Daryls and the Williams, There will always be those who persevere, who push for progress. There will be those who can find the joy in life. And there will be those who find the darkness inside them to be utterly overwhelming. I've known people like that. I've sipped beers with friends one night in the muggy Montreal summer heat and had them let the darkness take their life the next day. And having an archive full of your artifacts, having your work turned into movies and a festival in your honor... Maybe that's the wrong thing to focus on. Maybe I've been asking the wrong question. It's not, why do some people end up famous? It's, 
What do you want your legacy to be? It doesn't matter if it's big or small, if you have plays on Broadway, or if you slowly fade into oblivion. How did you live your life, and how did you want to be remembered? When I spoke to Sarah, the archivist of the William Inge archive, I got a glimpse at how William Inge might have answered that question. You had mentioned to me as well, uh, when I was here a couple days ago, this box. Yes. Can you tell me about this box? So when I got my job here four years ago, as you always do when you get in an office, you start rearranging and cleaning. She was curious about what sort of stuff she was in charge of. And I came upon a archive box. A box. About the size of a briefcase. And it's usually kept for storing papers and from archives. But this box was taped up. She couldn't open it. And it had a paper across it um, that said it was not to be opened by anyone but direct family members. And it was signed by about four family members about 20 years ago. Um, uh, And that was the last time it had been opened. No one knows what's in that box. No one has opened it in years. So I did the only thing that made sense to do. When Sarah wasn't looking, I stole the box. I took it back to my Airbnb and I opened it. Just kidding. I did not steal the box. But I do find this box, or the idea of this box, to be so intriguing. Either Inge or his family went through his belongings and determined that these were the things that he wanted kept private. Because shouldn't we all be allowed to decide who opens our most vulnerable boxes? Only a predetermined list of people are allowed to open the Inge box. The Inge box makes me think a lot about Daryl's story. I've ripped Daryl's life wide open, probably some of the worst experiences in his life, and made them public. Maybe I'm helping to create some kind of legacy for Daryl. Maybe I'm helping to stop him from fading away as generations pass. But if the question is not, why are some people famous? If the question is, how does a person want to be remembered? How can I factor that into telling Daryl's story? Well... William Inge has a box, and he has a list of close family members who are allowed to open that box. Can I do the same thing with Daryl? Figure out who would be allowed to open his box and check in with them as I tell his story? Dan, Daryl's ex, who gave me Daryl's scripts and letters, I think Dan would be on that list. That's why Daryl left him with a copy of the play he'd spent his final years working on, Mustang Zero One. But I'm not sure his nieces would be on that list. They knew Daryl, but did they know him, you know? So, who else? Well, there is one thing that happened on my drive with Cindy that I haven't told you up to this point. You know, and he was married, you know, I don't know how many years he was married, but he and his ex-wife stayed friends the whole time, too. And she's an amazing person. Cindy's talking about Daryl's ex-wife, Janet. I was oh. told you might have her contact information. I Do you have? But uh, Dorothy's friends with her on Facebook. I give Dorothy a call, and she tells me where to find Janet on Facebook. Janet, it turns out, had kept Daryl's last name, Janet Allen, but she changed the spelling. Instead of A L L E N, she goes by A L L Y N. She had been right there, right in front of me, the whole time but a single letter had kept her hiding in plain sight. I send her a message that day, while I'm still in Kansas, explaining who I am and what I'm doing. She replies almost immediately. I got a friend of mine to read her reply. Dane, your contact is not entirely out of the blue. 
Darrell left the rights to all his works jointly to me and the partner he was with when he died, Jonathan Houston. Jonathan died in 2017, so now it's just me. At some point, I plan to compile those of his plays that I have, including Mustang, into a collected works volume. Any project that includes his works could affect the ability to publish those works later. Is Janet telling me to stop? Not quite the rosy introduction I was hoping for. If she does have the rights to Daryl's work, and if she doesn't let me use it, this entire project could be jeopardized. This could be the end. Next time on Resurrection. Janet Allen. Resurrection is a team effort. If you want to help support us, please rate and review us. It helps us so much. Or consider becoming a monthly supporter at patreon.com slash resurrection podcast. That's one S double R. You can also find a link to that in the show notes. Matthew Rogers is our editor and sound designer and music maker. Ethan Soil wrote all the original guitar you heard in today's episode. Davide Kietzeze is the voice of Daryl's letters and scripts. Hannah Sung is our executive producer. Our outro track is called Easy to Love, written for us by Clara Jones. Special thanks to Rachel O'Brien, Michelle Soicher, Isabel Deleuze, Katie Hill, Roger Galvez, Amanda Pelleggi, and everyone from Independence who was so generous with us. Matthew Carriazzameri is the platonic love of my life and my co-producer. Resurrection is written, researched, and hosted by me, Dane Stewart. The creation of this podcast was made possible thanks to the financial support of the Conseil des Arts de Montréal, the Conseil des Arts de l'Est Québec, and the Canada Council for the Arts. Thanks for listening. See you next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.